Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. A very special edition of the Speakeasy, which has been around for, I don't know, how, how long have we been around, Patrick? It's probably going on eight years now or something like that. Patrick has no idea. That's not. That's why he's the best uh, producer in, in the business. That, that would be Patrick the Podfather Flaherty. He's not the reason why this show is special. It's it's because of the new woman at the con here, uh, our new crew beat writer, Bailey Johnson, at Bailey Johnson. Check out all her stuff at dispatch.com. And uh, she hit the ground running with, well, uh, if you're gonna, if your first two games to cover are the last two, Bailey, I, I think you kind of have a, a. Well, you've been following anyway, but you you get a pretty stark example of what the season's like. Um, they tied uh, two to two on Montreal on Friday. With uh, uh, they gave up goals in the 85th and the 94th to to squander um, two points, and uh, they came back Tuesday night, the most recent game. In Miami, another weather-delayed game. Of course, the crew is, generally speaking, doomed in weather-delayed games. They 0-3-1 in weather-delayed games. But after a two-hour halftime delay, two and a half hours, uh, because of lightning and thunderstorms in the area, um, they uh, gave up the game-winning goal in the 82nd minute to Gonzalo Higuain. Um, and you figure they might mark him, but uh, he managed to get behind the defenders. Bailey, what are they talking about after these two games? And is there anything specific? Obviously, you got to mention Luis, Luis Diaz's red card in, in Montreal, which was certainly a factor there. Yeah, the red card in Montreal was obviously a factor, and that was what Caleb Porter pointed to, to those goals they gave up. Obviously, there are issues with the way they set things up when they're defending games late in games. They kind of just collapse back into Eli Room's lap and let it all happen, and that is a tough situation for them all to be in. Miami, they didn't have that excuse. They Miami scored the first goal in the 25th minute. They came back and tied it just before halftime. Obviously, there's the two and a half hour halftime delay where you kind of knew it was all going to fall apart after that. To use a great Mike A. Ray stat, they are 0-3-1 and in weather delay games. And then, you know, like you said, they did not mark Higuain. Caleb Porter was as frustrated as I've seen him after that one, um, specifically called out, not by name, but called out Josh Williams, who should have had Iguain on that goal. He came into the game at halftime when Jonathan Menzel left with an injury. And Caleb very specifically said, we have to have players who are able to contribute when starters go out. And we didn't have that tonight. It wasn't, it wasn't Caleb's fault. It was uh, Josh Williams' fault. Kind of, you know, when I heard that, I, I kind of thought back to uh, when they were on their uh, six-game losing streak last year and they got rid of the backup goaltender. And, uh, and that, that was, uh, I guess that, that was the problem. No, I'm being cheeky here. Um, you know, on the positive side, uh, Cucho Hernandez got back on the board after a little bit of a dry spell. It kind, you kind of get getting the feeling that uh, uh, as excellent as he is and as tremendously as he's played, um, in fact, probably the front runner for the MLS Newcomer of the Year um, since since he got here. He was stuck on eight goals for a little while and and, uh, and scored a beauty. Uh, t- tell us about that goal in, in Miami. Yeah, it was a beauty. Like you said, he was on eight goals for a while. He burst in with eight goals in eight games, was I think maybe only the fourth or fifth player in MLS history to do that, and then went quiet for a little bit as the team kind of went quiet. They, going back a couple weeks, beat Miami one nothing on a Luis Diaz goal, 0-0 tie with Chicago, then Montreal and Miami again. Um, now the goal in Miami was beautiful from Cucho, as he can do. He is not the tallest guy out there, but that does not stop him from taking headers whenever he feels it's necessary. It was a very similar setup, actually, to 
the goal was right before halftime and about 20 minutes before that, there had been a very, very similar setup with a cross in from Steven Marrera on the right side. Cucho tried to go for the header. It was a well-placed ball, but Cucho just didn't quite get to it. It was defended well as well. That one was, was, if I recall. It was defended well, and you know, Cujo, it was a right setup to get Cujo stepping into the ball so he didn't have to adjust anything. He could go through the ball and get it into the net, and it was defended well. But they came back to a similar look, had that opportunity again, and this time, despite, I think the guy on him was like 6'6". It was a very tall defender yeah. on 5'9", Cujo Hernandez, and he didn't care. A couple more disappointing games for the crew. Now uh, 9, 7, 14 draws on, on the year. Um, you know, uh, and the the good news too is they are hanging on to seventh place. Their their stated goal of of, uh, of earning a, a home playoff game this year, which would be the first playoff game, not counting the uh, made for television Campione's Cup, I guess, uh, it would be the first MLS playoff game played in the new stadium um, after two years. That's probably not going to happen. I would venture to say that uh, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, so um, that's a failure of their of their top goal this year, um, which is to, to get a home playoff game. Um, but they are in seventh place, 9-7-14, and 14, 41 points. Um, Cincinnati and Orlando, Orlando with a surprising loss at home. They'd won the U.S. Open Cup and then lost their last two uh, in, in league play. Um, uh, but Orlando with 42 points in fifth place. 12, uh, 12 and 6. Cincinnati with 42 points in 6th place, 10, 8, and 12. And the crew sitting in 7th with 41 points, uh, 9 wins, 7 losses, and 14 draws, as I said. Um, we'll look at the uh, playoff race in a minute. Uh, I guess, Caleb, one of, one of the things that the coach has to do is, uh, is not lose sight of the fact that they are in a playoff position as crushing and disappointing as, as some of these losses and ties have, have been of late actually all season. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch him balance that and it kind of came to a point after the Miami game where he said, I'm really tired of coming in here and saying we played well, but because he is trying to keep it in focus that they are still in a playoff spot that in most of these games in Montreal and Miami and a lot of their games this year, they're in a strong position for most of it and he, you know, you don't want to go in and rip your players after they did play well for 80 minutes, but you also have to say, well, they gave up the game winning goal in the 82nd minute and watching him find that balance has been interesting as he tries to keep in perspective that they are still in a playoff spot and, you know, anything can happen if you make the playoffs, but this is also a team that hasn't won two games in a row this year that has struggled mightily in late game situations, has really struggled to close out games all year long and kind of are floundering at this point. I mean, another aspect of all of that is, is, um, you know, I get it when when he talks about he being Caleb Porter talks about uh, the tough mindedness of his team grinding out points, and they did grind out points over a long hot summer. Uh, they only won one game and and all that span, but uh, uh, they did grind out a lot of points. Uh, but the source, of, you look around the league, and even Cincinnati's putting up six goal games. You know, um, you know, and never mind Philadelphia, which is just. Philadelphia with 63 points on top of the East. They're plus 48 with 68 goals scored. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, they got a shot with 12 points still on the board um, to, to uh, uh, at New England's record set last year. That, that points in a season record is, seems to fall every year, except for the, the COVID year. But first it was Toronto with 69, and then the Red Bulls in 18 with 71. Uh, LAFC with 72 and 19, and then uh, New England with 73 last year, and here's Philadelphia with 63 points 
uh, with four games remaining in 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 the in the, in the season. Um, uh, again, getting back to the Cruz playoff situation here, they have Atlanta with the victory kind of crawled back in there, snuck in the back door in the race here. So Crew forty one points in seventh, Miami thirty nine and eighth, Atlanta. Uh, 39 points in, in, in ninth place. Um, and, of course, the first tiebreaker being uh, victories, I believe, right? So yes. so the crew with nine victories uh, would lose that tiebreaker to both Miami and Atlanta at, at this point. But, again, four games to play. Uh, they're still in seventh place. Um, Miami has uh, D.C. They're at D.C., at Toronto, home against Orlando, and home against Montreal. Um, and you have to wonder on decision day, October 9th, when – when they're when Miami's home against Montreal, what what kind of team Montreal is going to play? Um, because they're uh, comfortably in second place with fifty six points. Uh, but anyway, that's their schedule. Um, Atlanta, the crew has a game in hand on, um, and Atlanta finishes home against Philly, uh, then at New England, and then home against New York City FC. Certainly, they have to consider themselves um, in contention for that seventh spot um, suddenly and. Good on them because they've they've had a hellish season. The cruise next game is cruise next game is Portland on Sunday, right. which is a little bit of a twist. They've played a lot of East teams down this stretch, so getting a team that's been pretty hot lately in Portland, um, they're making a charge of their sixth in the West right now. But they've got forty five points. The West a little stronger competitive than the East it seems as far as the way these teams are stacking up over there. Um, interesting. Actually, did the math the other day. Only the second time they've played Portland in Caleb Porter's tenure, which is kind of funny that it's been three plus years and it's only the second time they've played them. I'm sure he will not have any feelings about that. Yeah, so that's a tough one. Obviously, not a game that can get them the proverbial six points if they were to beat an Eastern Conference team, but would be a huge win for them to go into the international break Right. With some momentum and some confidence, they come back after the break and play at home again, then finish off on the road. So these two home games, like they've talked about all year, are very important. And as you wrote not that long ago, they've not been that impressive at home this year or on the road. That's true. They're, uh, geez, let me see. They're six, four, four and five at home and three, three and nine on the road. Not an awful road record. Um, they were above 500 on the road until, uh, well, you have to figure it out. Points for games. I'll move on here. I'm not a mathematician, as <laughs> everyone knows. Um, but yes, you, you mentioned the international break. So Portland Sunday, and then there's there's the break, and then they come out, out of that break uh, uh, with a game against the Red Bulls on Sunday, October 1st. That's at home. Um, and then they finish at Charlotte, which is a makeup game, um, on Wednesday, October 5th. And then decision day, they're at Orlando on Sunday, October 9th. And I'm sure Orlando is going to have something to be playing for. Well, I mean, it is curious about their form. Um, you thought you, you thought there'd be a letdown with Orlando after their U.S. Open Cup thing. You know, they did the parade and the thing at City Hall, and then they went on the road and lost in the league. And um, a little surprising losing at home to Atlanta, but there it is. Atlanta is, is still playing for it. Now, the, the other team sort of on the periphery here in the Kiroskiro, if you will, is the Revolution. They have 38 points uh, with uh, – with that, I think they have four left as well. Yes, I think you're right about that. Yeah, they, they have four. No, they have three. three, they, three. Have, they have three remaining. So um, they have three remaining, um, 38 points. But uh, as, as Carlos Gil said the other day, we don't deserve to make the playoffs. So I, I, don't, I don't know what their state of mind is. Let's tell us about the crew. The other uh, positive thing, uh, Bailey, um, the other night uh, in Miami was, was the fact that uh, uh, Santos got back on the field. 
yeah, he was very surprised to see him come back in. Obviously, we knew that he was available, that he'd been upgraded to questionable earlier in the week, as they were talking about in the broadcast. And I agreed with coming off of a muscle injury like that to come into an incredibly hot, humid game when the warm-up is questionable and everything has been a little bit strange. I was surprised to see him, but they put him back in on the wing and Caleb Porter was a little bit cheeky after when asked if um, that was a situational thing as they're chasing the game late or if they are genuinely considering returning him to his normal position on the wing and having Will Sands stay at left back where he's been quite good over the last five games. And Caleb said something to the effect of, well, I put him at wing. So obviously it's something we're looking at, Um, which you never know what that means, whether that they're really strongly thinking about that or, you know, we could see Pedro back at left back before too long. Are they a hundred percent healthy now? Uh, More or less what's up with Mensa? Yeah, we don't know what's up with Mensa hamstring injury. uh, Caleb Porter didn't know the severity of it after the game. We'll know more tomorrow, Friday. Um, Derek Etienne also looked like he got a little bit banged up. He did stay in the game for the last few minutes, but it did not look comfortable. So something to keep an eye on there as well. But generally, yeah, they're pretty healthy. Um, This is a team that's uh, dropped 67 points from a winning position over the last three seasons. Um, And 40 of those points were were dropped in the last 10 minutes. Uh, This season, 18 points dropped from a winning uh, position. Uh, they're minus seven when they have the lead after the seventh minute. They're minus 10 differential w- with the lead or tied past the 17th minute. And they've uh, allowed 14 goals uh, beyond the 75th minute. Now, those are stark numbers, um, uh, more because we're not mentioning what they've done. Um, you know, they've come back and nicked one off here or there. Uh, but they are what they are, and they paint a picture of uh, of a team that squanders late leads for whatever reason. One, one of the... Uh, one of one of the reasons put forth uh, by and I recommend uh, Matthew Doyle to anyone the armchair analyst at MLSsoccer.com is is outstanding and he mentioned something that you brought up earlier and that is that uh, you know they get conservative they drop everyone behind the ball the box gets crowded uh, and there's shooting lanes opened up from the mid- midfield uh, balls ping around and weird things happen. Um, has Caleb, who has to be feeling some heat at this point, has he talked about um, his his uh, his tactics when he's trying to scratch out a point on the road or hang on to a, a three points at home. Um, has he has has he addressed that issue uh, directly? He has not addressed it directly. The most direct um, he got with it last week was I asked him about the stat that at the time they had dropped thirteen points when or had conceded thirteen goals, went ahead or leading after the seventy fifth minute, and he was not willing to talk about that at all and basically said. I'm not looking at stats. We're trying to win soccer games, football games, as he likes to say, which is its own Caleb Porter thing. Well, he's got to be feeling it. No, he's definitely feeling it. And you could tell he was feeling it more Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see our conversations with him Friday. We, it'll be the first time we've had access since the end of the game. He's definitely feeling it. Jonathan Menza also a little bit talked about how they play with five at the back versus four at the back, which is their normal setup. And then they go to usually a five back late um, and said, basically, there's no excuse for their mixed results with the five back and they need to communicate better and play better with it, which is correct. But Caleb has not addressed it directly. I do wonder, and, and the fans have kicked this around as well. Is that, is that absolutely the best use of his personnel in those situations? Every time um, they don't get forward at all. Uh, Montreal, when they were down a man, it was a, you know, obviously a, an egregious example, but uh you know, you saw it to a large degree at Miami as well. It's it's it was an apotheosis of of kind of the, what the crew are over the last uh, last two years anyway. Uh, uh, certainly this season, and uh, I guess at this point, Bailey, it's it's look, we're in seventh, and uh, let's hang on to it. 
Yeah, they're clinging onto it, and they're helped by teams like Orlando losing last night. Cincinnati's been on a little bit of a hot streak lately. That six nothing win was pretty wild. Um, but they're, I mean, they're only one point behind both Orlando and Cincinnati. The, like you said, the tiebreaker with the wins could get them into some trouble. But I mean, conceptually, depending on what happens with the other games the rest of the week, if they win against Portland on Sunday, they go into the break in fifth all of a sudden, which is a much more comfortable place than seventh. But the East is so, so tight that really at this point, anything can happen. All right. Well, that's Bailey Johnson. Uh, uh, obviously, we're, we're missing Kyle Robertson today, or not obviously, maybe you have noticed uh, uh, Patrick Flaherty certainly hasn't. Uh, uh, he's he's on assignment today. He'll be back with us next week, and we'll 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 get into among other things, uh, obviously some crew stuff um, uh, coming out of the Portland game, but also uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the the uh, roster, which was announced by Greg Berhalter yesterday for the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, that's that's uh, going to use the international break with a little little European excursion and. Germany and Spain. Um, so Kyle will rejoin us next week uh, with Bailey. Um, Bailey, anything else you want to add before we sign off here? Yeah, actually, speaking of the um, men's national team roster being named for this evaluation window, I would like to go on the record that for my own personal desire to write a fun story about Will Sands and his twin brother James during the World Cup, I would like James Sands to make the World Cup team, and it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, he was left off the roster. He was time. left off the roster, and then yesterday in his Champions League game, uh, got a red card and conceded a penalty kick. So not a good look for James Sands yesterday, and not a good look for me and the story that I would hope to write. Well, Will has looked very good. Will has been very, and very you good. you did just write about him recently. I did, right? so you should go read that. I shamelessly promote it every time because I wrote about him close to two weeks ago now, and then at halftime of each of the last two games, he's been great in the first half, and I have tweeted it out again. So there are lots of places for you to find that one. Well, in Sanchez's absence, um, he's, he's been very good. It would be interesting how he's used coming down the stretch here because he certainly has, deserves more minutes. Good young player there. So that's it from the Speakeasy. Um, I'm Mike A. Race. Thanks for joining us. For Bailey Johnson at Bailey A. Johnson underscore on your Twitter accounts. Please follow, give her a follow. And Patrick Flaherty, we'll see you next week. Patrick, kick us out of here.